Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. We're joined today by the director, Shlomi Elkabetz. He's known for such films as Get the Trial of Vivian Amsalam, as well as Seven Days. This film is called Black Notebooks, Ronit. It invites us into the intimacy of a Jewish Arab family, a family of uprooted exiles in an imaginary story where a brother and sister revisit the past and the present to defy an implacable future. Ronit Elkabetz was a beloved and critically acclaimed star of Israeli cinema for such films as Late Marriage, The Band's Visit, and Get. She was a remarkable talent, and in this film we not only see that talent, but we see this amazing person and personality and her ability as an artist. Joining us today is Shlomi Elkabetz. Shlomi, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. And uh, I just want to congratulate you on a beautiful film. Very emotional, very uh, intimate. You, we see you filming not only the film work that you did, but also filming your life over the course of many years. I can't imagine you anticipated that this would be this project that we see now obviously very close to your sister, very close to your family. It's a, it's, that's another wonderful thing about the film is to see the interaction of the family. At what point did you decide you wanted to make this documentary film? I'm shooting for many years. I'm shooting for uh, three decades. Uh, well, you know, during the years, uh, Juanita and myself, we were doing our fiction films and I should, you know, I document, but usually whatever I document is like things that are very banal, I have like, you know, hundreds of shots of people coming up the stairs, uh, going into taxis, going outside of the taxi, into the plane, down from the plane, drinking coffee, no drama whatsoever. So, um, and I should, because I, I think I should, uh, because I, each time I, I use the camera, I feel I, I can create um, an, another layer of time. Another layer of time that exists, it's not really not to remember. These are not memories. These are, I mean, I did not shoot a film in that sense. I shot and I mainly what I do is I archive. I like to go into my archive every once in a while just to check that everything is there and like um, nothing is damaged. Maybe I should copy something. And that's it. After the death of Ronit, I went into the archives because I thought... I want to do something. I will, you know, I, I knew what I have on, on my materials. Uh, I knew that I don't have any drama. I never shoot uh, Ronit uh, when she was sick or uh, I never shot my parents when there was like huge fights or something like that. I just shot them at home and and I knew I, I did not have anything, anything dramatic in, in my materials. But, um, and, and, and I went into the, into the materials and I started to put them together and it was a nice, like beautifully made. I made, I don't know, 40 minutes maybe of like a nice documentary um, showing like, you know, it's a chronicle of like day by day, something like that. It was nice, but I, I was, I, I wanted something else. And into the work, uh, I took a decision. And my decision was that um, whenever I go into the editing room, I'm not really in my past. 
but uh, I am in the present of my characters. And if I'm visiting the present of my characters, it means that I'm coming from the future. And if I'm coming from the future, I know what's going to happen. And then when I started to look at my materials from that point of view, something really interesting uh, happened. It became almost like a thriller. It became a film about time hunting me, hunting us, uh, hunting uh, Ronit, uh, hunting the future, um, hovering above it. And and then every shot, every shot that was the most banal shot of, of Ronit coming up the stairs became like a thriller, like a suspense film. Because you know, you know that time is after her, is after us, is it's after all of us, <laughs> and you feel it too. Because when you see Ronit on the on the um, on the screen, whether you know her or you don't, if you saw her films or you didn't, you just know that this woman is trying to defy time, and we are trying to define time, and we are trying to push it, and we're trying to play with it and to bend it, and sometimes it looks like uh, it feels like we, we we are making it, but uh, but but as time passes, we understand that. We are the still object in the room and time is passing and time is passing us. And it got into the film. And the minute I discovered that into the making and editing of the film, I said, all right, I want to make this film. I want to I want to tell this story. I want to write a role for Ronit. It's a role that's usually uh, preserved for men, you know, men against nature, time, death. No, now it's going to be this woman and this woman that has this amazing relationship with the camera whether we shoot her uh, in a documentary or just in the morning when she wakes up or when she's doing a role in a film it, it doesn't matter she talks to the camera whenever the camera is on and i use this uh, immense and unique talent of it plus the ideas that we had plus hundreds of hours that i shot over the years and slowly slowly i created the story that we see in Ronit, which is like a uh, a story about a woman trying to define nature and a love story between a brother and a sister, yeah. a separation story. And of course, um, the relations, relationship between uh, cinema and life. And yeah. can we change life in cinema? And you know, as as we know, we are phantoms. But when we are on the screen, whether we are alive or dead, when we are on the screen, we are phantoms. And since I'm in the film, I had the opportunity as a phantom to talk to her as well. And it became really interesting and beautiful for me. I mean, as, as, as a filmmaker, to write the film I never wrote, to direct the film I never directed, to make it, to make it happen, cinema enables that. Wonderful explanation. And uh, just what you said, the banality of life for the things that oftentimes, and in this film certainly, resonate because they define the extraordinary, they, the, the difference, the contrast. And uh, there's a fair amount of the film where we see behind the scenes of making get um, the trial of Vivian Amsalam. What an extraordinary relationship she had with the camera. I it's had this exact thought as we're at some point, probably halfway through the film, because we see her in the making of the film, then we see her outside in her private life. The camera loves her. It's just this relationship she had, and she was the her ability to convey so much through it uh, is there. What a powerful performance that was! And it just reminded me how much, how great she was in the film. As I'm watching this, there's a moment in the film where she walks over to you. It's in the making of get, and the, where she says that she just can't do this anymore, that she's just exhausted. There's a lot of things that were going on at that point in, in her life. 
I'm curious when she was saying that to you, do you remember what was going through your mind when she said it? Do you remember just sort of the ramifications of you're directing a film? There's a lot of people depending on you. And you're, here's your sister who obviously is in a lot of distress. What was going through your mind? Well, um, you know, uh, I didn't know that then I acted uh, a few years ago. I took this role, this lead role in a, in a series, uh, Our Boys, the HBO series. And, uh, you know, I shot for many days and um, it so happened that at a certain point, you know, of the work, after so many days of shoot, uh, after I know the character and I know everything very well, I came to the, to the set and I was tired and I didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to shoot. I, I, I prefer that the directors would put me in the darkness if they want me to be sad and put a lot of light if they want me to be happy and awake. And that's it. Do the work for me. Just do the work for me, you know. I, I, I remember the text, and you do your shit, and I, I'm doing my. I promise to be here, you know. I'll just be here, and you do your work, you know. And I remember this, not an argument, but a discussion with the sitter in the morning, and like, uh, and it took me back to that day because I was worried. I was worried because it was my sister, but as a director, I was not worried at all. I continue to shoot. I say to myself always, you know, all right. As long as you're not going into your room and you're standing here and I'm shooting you, that's perfect. I mean, that's who you are today. That's what we have today. These are the circumstances. This is beautiful. You're tired. You don't want to be here. Obviously, Vivian doesn't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Let's just document that moment. Let's just shoot it. I was worried not as a filmmaker, not as a producer, not as a director. I was worried as a brother, of course. You know, I didn't want to see my sister very tired and then like exhausted. Part of the reasons is what I'm asking her to do is like, uh, but uh, as a director and as a director who knows his actress, Onit, my sister, who has this like immense talent to to be present, I was not worried at all. I just said, okay. She told me, I mean, that's what it is. I said, all right, let's shoot it. Let's shoot what it, what it is. It's always what it is. It's always yeah. what it is. Yeah. And it's such a powerful scene that she is performing during this during this particular um, point in the film. It's such a powerful film, both of these films. And that's the other thing they, they in some ways, and this is, I, I'm lost for words. I don't feel like this is exactly the right way to put it, but they complement one another. I don't know, if, again, struggle if that's the right word. Imagine, imagine that we could go, every time we see a film we really like, we would have the opportunity to go into the time yeah. I'm, not, I'm not talking even about the character, just the time, the emotional time of the making of an artwork, you know, just to understand how decisions were taken, for example, how, you know, in, in our case, it was really a, a miracle that I had these materials just because I like to document. I had my own DP, the extra DP on the set who was shooting. The reason we hear everything, our conversations, because I have a little neck mic that instructs him what to shoot. And that's why we hear these conversations. Um, the neck mic belongs to the other DP of the of the documentary film that I'm shooting as I'm shooting the the fiction film. And like, um, yeah, you said it's compliment. They're complimenting each other. They're like, uh, they're complimenting, but I think it's also a continuation because um, because Ronit stands for Vivian. Throughout her life, she stood for the character Vivian, believing in what Vivian wanted for herself. And at that point, something miraculous happens. Ronit cannot do anything, but Vivian is there to play Ronit. 
you know, and this is like, uh, for me, it was like a miracle. I said, okay, Ronit is not here, but I can summon this new actress. Her name is Vivian Amsalem. And she can tell the story of Ronit for me. She will tell us the story of what Ronit was going through at this time. It, yes, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. I want to let people know that Shlomi Elkabetz will be here in town for the screenings at the Lemley Town Center Theater in Encino. He'll be there Saturday night to do a Q&A after the 7.20 screening. And that's on Sunday also after the 4.30 screening. That is at the Lemley Town Center in Encino. But also he will be on the opening night on Friday night. And tell us a little bit about where that will be. In the Museum of Tolerance for the opening night as well. Yeah. Great, great facility. What a wonderful place. Well, that's right. fantastic. So you can look for it there. The um, The website is panoramafilmsus.com, and the film is uh, is there, um, Black Notebooks. And by the way, this film also was uh, played at the Cannes Film Festival. It won, also it won the 2022, is it Ofer? Ofer Award. Um, it's this really... Um, award for best documentary right yeah it's really and also, yeah and also one last thing it'll be opening at the new plaza cinema in new york city next week so next on the 11th but in terms of the reaction to the film it, it opened it sounds like it's played in in israel and also the reaction unexpected reactions that you got regarding the film in terms of whether it was with an audience or with your family either one the film opened uh, this year in Israel and in, in France. Now it's opening here. I got some really remarkable uh, reactions for, for the film. I mean, a lot of people came to see it. Uh, and um, yeah, it won some prizes. And it was like... Uh, but this film, something in the intimacy, this this film is, is um, was created in, moved to the screen. And, and apparently... I could not even uh, foresee the how strong the reactions of, of the viewers will be for, for that film. Nobody told me, oh, we never saw on it like that. It was like uh, like the biggest the biggest surprise. Just to talk to regular audiences, nobody, not people who writes about cinema. People tell me a lot of times, wow, I'm going to see a lot of films this month. I saw your film and it gave me an appetite to go to see cinema, to go to explore. I want to be moved. I want to I want to feel. I want to feel something. And I felt so much during that film that it gave me uh, a huge uh, um, hunger to 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 feel that again. And for me it was a huge uh, it was a huge compliment to to know that uh, Ronit and, and myself and and this film make people uh, want to go through that, you know, because we're somewhat uh, in the last years, um, you know, we want to go to cinema, of course, but uh, there's so much that happened in the last uh, five years to cinema that it feels like uh, we are willing to consume our culture in very, very specific conditions. To hear that people say, I just want to try to look for it again in the darkness, in a big room with other people watching the screen. Uh, it was something uh, very, very strong. And um, and I think a lot of people came to me and said, "Oh, you're so lucky to have uh, to have such a love in your life. You're so lucky to have such a love in your life." And, um, and, and thanks. We want to go home now, and we want to 
We want to look at our children. We want to give a call to our brothers and sisters. We want to just have a moment, you know. It was really strong. Is there something surreal about watching the success of the film be- with knowing that you'll never be able to share it with your sister? Something that, because you say in the film more than a few times, that essentially she's not gone in your as far as you were concerned in terms of you have never parted, I believe, something along those lines. Right. So does that play into how you feel now as you sit here talking to the press and to me about the film in terms of that reaction, knowing that she's still a part of your life? How does it land with you to, to hear people talk about your sister? You know, I'm really grateful and and happy that I had the chance to make one more last film with Ronit in real life. Not not as a metaphysic thing, but like in, not not as an idea or me and Harry in my head. No, like really to to create uh, one more conversation, cinematic conversation with her, uh, and this film gave me that that gift, but also uh, gave Ronit um, a new presence in the cinematic world. You know, um, a new face, uh, a chance to say one more thing and this is an ability that is that is preserved only for the phantoms you know the phantoms of cinema and art and and she took it and it's not even me who gave it you know it's not about you know because i was shooting her throughout this time she could always tell me take down the camera no she chose to tell it in her own expression not even with words you know like uh, she took this opportunity before she died and I'm grateful that I had the chance and the ability to to give us as a couple this this new space in life in cinema, and really happy for uh, or need for another another appearance another you know. So it's not about you know. I uh, people ask me, do you think Ronit would have loved the film or you know? So I always say, uh, I'm not talking to the dead. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any control over what uh, what you would think, but um, but I know that when I shot her, she loved me, and I know I love this film, and I know that I love her, and I think that's enough. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a terrific film in so many different ways. Uh, the film again is Black Notebooks, Ronit, and the uh, as I said, it's opening here in Los Angeles at the Town Center in Encino, and we'll be opening next week in New York at the New Plaza Cinema. That's on the 11th. My congratulations to you on the film. My congratulations for having the opportunity and making the most of it in terms of uh, this film, as well as the other work that you've done with your sister and other work as well. So thank you so much. All the very best. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. We've been speaking with Shlomi Elkabetz, the director of Black Notebooks, Ronit. Thanks. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music